0: wcbn.org. 15 seconds remain, Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini. he'll shoot, save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick, six ends remain, Tambellini shoots and scores! It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. I suppose our youngsters would say cornball or square. And now, CBN Radio brings you... All the all the broadcast uh, uh, media can do. You give them a sense of flavor. It's all vegetable. It's digestible. It's delicious and nutritious, life right sized and ready to eat. It's made with real egg formula. And here's a nice-looking record package in from New York. WCBN. America's ace of the airwaves. This instrument is good for nothing but to entertain, amuse, and insulate. And we will soon see that the whole struggle is lost. And believing that radio has a responsibility to serve in the public interest at all times, we are turning over our facilities to the state militia at WCBN FM Ann Arbor WCBN FM WCBN FM. FM Ann Arbor WCBN FM Ann Arbor WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. A CBN, FM. Ann Arbor A very pleasant, peaceful feeling. You relax deeper and deeper. each downward count of my voice, 10. Relaxing deeper, 9. Letting the body gently begin to sink deeper, 8. 8.3. Yes, it's like a push-button radio, you see. 24 hours a day. Whether you like it or not. Oh, we're limited to a 500-mile radius now, but we're working to extend that limit. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley and my partner Jim Dwyer may have called me. I was in the shower and I heard the phone ring and I was going to check my messages but neglected to do so. So he may have a family emergency tonight or something connected with school. So uh, if he shows, wonderful. Otherwise, we'll see him next week. In any event... uh, Uh, kind of an interesting week, though not as monumental as uh, the week before with the uh, remaking of the Middle East and uh, Eastern Africa, so to speak. Um, Obviously, tonight's show is going to be devoted a little bit and maybe an homage to Keith Olbermann. Uh, I actually ironically was watching uh, his show on Friday night when the surprise announcement came that uh, He was no longer going to be with us on the air, and uh, while it remains a little unknown whether he was shoved or jumped, uh, I think uh, he'll let us know in due course. Uh, The inside word on this is uh, he had a contract buyout that uh, basically does not allow him to reveal uh, the reasons for the departure uh, for several months. I'm a little unclear why they're keeping this a mystery. Um, I don't think there's uh, uh the, the, you know it's the speculation about why he is gone uh, that does uh, msnbc and nbc in general or comcast in general more damage than just coming out and telling us what happened um in my opinion keith oberman has been the uh, best uh news personality on television Uh, really, since uh, Walter Cronkite, maybe uh, even better than Walter Cronkite, because Keith Oberman did one thing that was outstanding uh, and almost unprecedented. The first thing about him was, I think, everything he said on the air, he wrote. I don't think he had um, gophers write anything for him. Uh, I think that his great genius, really, was his uh, writing. Here on Gray Matters, I show up with a the back of an envelope and sort of ad lib stuff. I don't come in with prepared scripts very often, and I think that Keith Oberman's special comments were unusual on television. I think his special comment on uh, the uh, Citizens United case uh, that was uh, came down from the Supreme Court about a year ago uh, was maybe the mo- most uh, brilliant thing I've ever seen on television uh, in the realm of public affairs. Uh, he was passionate. And primarily what he did above and beyond anybody that's ever appeared in news on television was he spoke truth to power. And I don't think the public or uh, our listeners should be confused that he was a sort of liberal foil uh, to Fox News. I think he got into a little bit of uh, trouble personally, this is just my personal opinion, with his sort of what I would call kind of high school rivalry that he had with Bill O'Reilly. Uh, but Bill O'Reilly is not the worst person on Fox News. Uh, Glenn Beck is. And uh, I would even say Sean Hannity is worse. And Rush Limbaugh on the radio is uh, appalling. Uh, I'll give Rush Limbaugh brain damage award really quickly here. His racist attack on... Uh, the The uh, Chinese Prime Minister last week, the Chinese President Hu Jintao was who was in uh, town for a, a kind of a mini summit, a state dinner, and all that uh, is is just simply unacceptable and should not be permitted. Uh, if anybody deserves to be removed for the air, from the airwaves, it's Rush Limbaugh, and it is uh, interesting that Rush Limbaugh is uh, going to be dealing with the FCC at some point regarding his uh, racist rants. Uh, he is a racist, he is a right-wing hater, and he is a liar. And Keith Oberman is none of those people. Um, so I think we'll find out from Keith Oberman in six to nine months or whatever the specifics of the contract are regarding his departure. Uh, but I find it uh, very disappointing. And, uh, gee, I was outright depressed. I usually on Friday night uh, watch Oberman. Sometime while I'm making dinner, you know, I catch uh, segments of uh, of his show, Countdown, which has, uh, I think, been the best thing on television uh, in the last generation. And uh, I knew something was kind of amiss when I didn't see the worst persons in the world segment. And, of course, he closed and has been closing for quite some time on Friday nights with the James Thurber uh, stories. Uh, his father... Uh, suffered from poor health over the last several years and passed away recently. And his father, uh, during his dying uh, days on the on the planet, uh, wanted James Thurber stories read to him, uh, and Keith Oberman obliged. And James Thurber, of course, is a uh, iconic American humorist. Uh, very poor of eyesight, by the way, so his drawings uh, that are sort of simplistic uh, doodles, as they say, are very interesting in and of themselves, and I highly recommend James Thurber um, as a, a, f- a fiction uh, short storyteller. His uh, short stories are wonderful, and I thought it was interesting, the sh- the short story that uh, Oberman closed with, because it was obviously a parable connected to his departure uh, from... MSNBC. I don't remember the name of the story, uh, but it was clear that it was a parable. After he announced that this would be it for him, and I think that uh, in the, the the truth behind the scenes regarding his departure is sort of connected, possibly to some personal issues. Um, as I mentioned, his father had passed away recently, and I personally think that that the uh, Giffords, uh, Gabriel Giffords' uh, assassination attempt in Tucson, had possibly affected him, find it interesting that uh, the news media will report uh, without fail that he was suspended for a couple of days this past November for making donations to Democratic congressional candidates. He gave three donations, and ironically, Gabriel Giffords was one of them. He also gave a donation to uh, Raul Guevara of Arizona, who is a chairman of the Progressive Caucus in the House. And he gave a donation to Jack Conway, a Senate Democratic Senate candidate in Kentucky. Um, it's th- Those are an interesting combination of candidates in and of themselves. We're not talking here about a lot of money, um, and we're talking about the vagueness of the contract. And I think that, that he was frustrated uh, with the suspension, noting that other MSNB... MSNBC people had done, uh, given campaign contributions, and he was the only one suspended. Obviously, he had a kind of uh, prickly personality, and I think that at the end of the day, uh, I will remember him for being kind of an amalgamation of Howard Beale, Walter, Cron- Walter Cronkite, and Edward R. Murrow. By the way, objectively speaking, I want to say that he was an outstanding anchor person, uh, Tom Brokaw has been uh, quoted as critiquing N- uh, NBC for allowing him to anchor uh, election coverage. He was sort of the anchor of the elec- election coverage, and he does that quite well. Uh, I think that comes from his experience in sports. He uh, was on ESPN for a while, and he's uh, been uh, fired or let go from a number of networks over the years, Um Today's New York Times, in an article by Bill Carter and Brian Stelter, and I'll just read the opening paragraph, MSNBC never had any doubt about what it was getting when it made Keith Olbermann the face of the network in um, 2003, a highly talented broadcaster, a distinctive and outspoken voice, and a mercurial personality with a track record of making attacks on his superiors and making early exits." That's basically the paraphrase there. Uh, And he certainly was all of those. Uh, At one time, he briefly um, joined Fox Sports Network. And Rupert Murdoch, uh, quoting from the same article, head of the news corporation which ran the network, later said, I fired him. He's crazy. No, he's not crazy. (laughs) This word has been thrown around quite a bit in in recent weeks. Regarding the suspect in the, the Gabriel Gifford shooting, I'm not convinced he's crazy. I'm convinced that he was troubled, disturbed, um, confused, uh, poorly educated, angry, um, and possibly uh, uh, possibly, uh, crazy, but not insane. He knew what he was doing. He possibly had substance abuse problems. We don't really know yet. So all of the speculation regarding his motives uh, as they're connected to politics, I think, are uh, somewhat uh, speculative, but certainly the messages uh, from Glenn Beck and Sarah Palin in particular uh, leave no doubt uh, where they stood regarding the Second Amendment. Uh, They've been using the Constitution um, to justify their um, positions, and I thought Sarah Palin's uh, performance last week on uh, Hannity's program was the final nail in her coffin Uh, nobody on the left is trying to muzzle Sarah Palin in fact though I'm a person that's willing to give her more rope (laughs) Um, so she can continue to hang herself Uh, she's an idiot and the more she talks the worse she looks nobody's trying to muzzle her uh, that's ridiculous. And nobody on the left is trying to silence her. Uh, this is delusional thinking. That is crazy. Uh, there's not a single person even on MSNBC that wants to muzzle Sarah Palin. Um, they think she's dangerous. And I agree. She's dangerous. And as I said last week, she proves time and time again that a little learning is a dangerous thing. Well, Keith Oberman didn't suffer from a, li- well, a little learning. I think this, this was maybe as highly an educated uh, news personality as we've ever had. I mentioned Howard Beale because Howard Beale is the fictional character on the brilliant mid-'70s film, Network. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, I hope to see it again soon. And if you're going to rent a movie uh, that uh, is pertinent and relevant to today's times, rent Network and check it out. Uh, I think it might have been the final film of William, William Holden's career. Uh, he uh, had an unbelievable knack of appearing in some of the best uh, American movies ever made. But, of course, he's not the star of the movie. Uh, Faye Dunaway makes an appearance. But Peter Finch, uh, a, a British actor of sort of a... a not, not a leading man, but a kind of a lesser uh, leading man of, of British cinema, a, a appears as Howard Beale in this movie. And, of course, it's a commentary and a social satire about television and the relevance of television and television news. Ned Beatty makes a uh, cameo appearance, a great character actor. He plays the... Um, TV executive that uh, puts Beale and wants Beale on the air once the ratings go up. And of course, Beale uh, is famous for the famous line, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, I think Oberon did suffer from a little bit of the Howard Beale personality syndrome. But I commend him for it. I appreciated his edgy, angry, passionate tone. And you know what? He wasn't reading any script, he was reading what he wrote. He wrote everything that he uttered on the air, pretty much. And by the way, he was a superb interviewer. Uh, unlike Chris Matthews, he didn't, didn't interrupt his guests. He allowed, he asked his guests questions, stepped aside, and he performed that uh, role of his sort of many, uh, a man of many hats on television, I th- think with great uh, aplomb and uh, diplomacy. Uh, he knew when to step aside. I don't think he was a megalomaniac with kind of a oversized personality about himself. But he certainly had a prickly personality. And without going into all the details of his interesting uh, history in recent weeks, I do want to say that I think that uh, perhaps the— uh, uh, the death of his father had affected him uh, personally and emotionally regarding the health care. I thought he completely overreacted, by the way, to the Obama tax cut compromise that was concocted in in December. Um, I don't think some of the people on the left quite understood that Obama was cutting a deal. I don't agree with the deal, but Obama was compromising. And I hope in the State of the Union, which is going to appear tomorrow night, that Obama does not give his uh, one of his best speeches. I think he should save that for next year, but I think he should propose and indicate w- with great clarity where he stands on everything. He should propose new spending on infrastructure. He should point out that the stimulus package has worked for the American economy to the extent that the American economy is in recovery. And if you listened to our show a couple of weeks ago, I noted that the history of recoveries in America dating back in fact, to the early 1950s, is that uh, the economies recover at slower and slower rates. Job creation occurs at slower and slower rates. Personal income increases at slower and slower rates. Real industrial production uh, increases at slower and slower rates. And real manufacturing and trade sales increase at slower and slower uh, rates. This, by the way, from a column uh, that I highly recommend. I think it's one of the most brilliant little articles written, perhaps, in the last generation about our economy that appeared in the New York Times business section on the 30th of August, 2008. This is before the real meltdown in the economy occurred, and Floyd Norris, uh, who I think is one of their more brilliant economic uh, historical analyzers, wrote this column. Highly recommended in the New York Times, dated the thirtieth of August, two thousand and eight. You can probably look it up in the online in their archives, and I recommend that you do so. Um, Keith Oberman, um, I've been doing this show for for uh, quite a number of years now, and I've always viewed my role down here. Uh, I am uh, unabashedly liberal. <laughs> and what i like to do of course is educate and entertain that's what a radio personality does and i think that keith oberman did that brilliantly keith oberman had a an edge of sarcasm a sort of an aggressiveness that rubbed people the wrong way but that's entertainment folks that's his job and the the fact that he brought msnbc up in the television rankings is undeniable The fact that a network of personalities uh, have sort of spread out from the tentacles of his show uh, speaks to the uh, talent and brilliance that this uh, journalist had. And I hope we see him back. Uh, And don't be surprised if he is back on television somewhere. He's just simply too talented not to have there. And once again, I want to emphasize that it's not that anger um, that troubled me, in any way, shape, or form. I think that he was passionate, and I think he was honest, and I think that America needs to uh, deal quite uh, forcefully and truthfully with the the issue of false equivalency. Fox News makes stuff up. They're lying. Um, They're representing a right-wing perspective, and it's fascinating to once again uh, see the mainstream leaders of the Republican Party uh, appear on the, uh, on the news shows this Sunday a line about uh, government spending and the deficit and who created it and why it's there. Um, we'll give a brain damage award out to uh, Congress for, oh, we're, we're keeping our promises. We're going to have a meaningless vote on health care, and we're going to call it Obamacare for the 150th time. Apparently they've uh, put the jobs-killing Obamacare phrase into the uh, six feet under, so to speak, for the time being. But trust me, it'll be back. And it was a strange week last week uh, after uh, watching Sarah Palin uh, self-emulate on television on Hannity's show. I watched an interesting uh, historical uh, documentary on PBS regarding the Peace Corps related to the University of Michigan's role in the Peace Corps and the creation of the Peace Corps, because John F. Kennedy uh, gave uh, his famous uh, Peace Corps speech here on the uh, steps of the Michigan Union. There's a plaque on the Michigan Union honoring John F. Kennedy. And, of course, last week was the 50th anniversary of one of the greatest inaugural addresses in American history. Ironic that Sergeant Shriver, uh, the first... uh, Director of the Peace Corps uh, appointed by John Kennedy and related to John F. Kennedy by marriage uh, would die um, just days after the documentary that I saw on PBS regarding uh, uh, the University of Michigan's role in um, the creation of the Peace Corps. Uh, The University of Michigan can be proud that it has remained one of the top universities in America regarding volunteers to the Peace Corps. I'm all in favor of the Peace Corps, more of the Peace Corps and less of the war war. And if we want to talk about government spending in any honest uh, fashion, we need to attack the Pentagon. We need to attack the Pentagon. We need to cut the spending. We need to withdraw the troops from a lot of countries. And if anything comes out of Obama's inaugural or uh, State of the Union uh, speech tomorrow night, I certainly hope... Uh, He mentions his uh, commitment to withdrawing completely from Iraq. Obama needs to define and clarify what he stands for. He needs to draw some lines in the sand, and he needs to indicate clearly to the American public that he's sharpened his veto pens, his veto pen, his veto pens, and he needs to draw some lines in the sand. And he needs to call some of the Republicans out. For uh, political posturing of the, of, of, of the a phony nature. To be quite frank with you, I would love to see Keith Oberman become Obama's press secretary because I think he could swat down the media on a daily basis and provide some clarity uh, for the Obama administration. That would be regarded by the mainstream media as um, inflammatory and misguided, but I think it would be a heck of a move. It won't happen, of course, because Obama is running for re-election. We've seen the personnel decisions that he's made in recent weeks, and he's on a roll, and he deserves to be on a roll. I would argue that Obama got his mojo back starting uh, around Labor Day of uh, this past year when he got back into the campaign mode and the idea that he didn't uh, go out there and fight quote unquote which seems to be a new uh critique from some of the morons on the left regarding obama is it's just nonsense i mean the guy was out there every day he was out there three four times a day giving passionate speeches about what he stood for and uh what uh where he his vision for the country going forward and i think that he needs to continue in the tradition of john f kennedy and bill clinton i think that it's Practical of the president to appoint some professional Bill Clinton types and Bill Clinton advisers into his White House um, to not only deal with the uh, the uh, falsehoods of the Republican Party in terms of projecting their arguments forward to the public, which I think Keith Oberman was the that was what he was brilliant at calling them out, calling them out, exposing the hypocrisy, the lies. I've always been influenced uh, down here on Grey Matters by Mark Twain, H.L. Mencken, um, satirists, Monty Python. Uh, I think that Monty Python, um, while comical and uh, farcical and a little bit, of, you know, there's some slapstick humor in their, um, their skits, there is an incredibly incisive political content to the Monty Python and the Flying Circus show. Uh, from the late 60s and early 70s. And we praise them for influencing our thinking down here on uh, gray matters, as well as the influence that I think that it had on Keith Oberman. So we uh, praise Keith Oberman. We wish him luck, and uh, he'll land on his feet, trust me. He got a rather generous buyout package, and uh, he'll be back on television. He's just simply too good and too honest and uh, you know what? America can't take it sometimes. And I finally, in closing on Keith Olbermann, I wanted to point out that on the day of the uh, uh, tragedy or whatever you want to call it in Tucson uh, regarding the assassination attempt on Gabriel Giffords, because there is no doubt that she was the target of this assassination, Uh, the people that died were innocent bystanders. And of course. All stories are tragic, but the most tragic uh, was the death of the uh, nine-year-old girl who uh, had viewed uh, Gabby Giffords as a role model and had merely gone out as a third-grade youngster, uh, apparently uh, recently elected to her student council, um, to meet the congressman, uh, congresswoman, meet the congressman on the corner or whatever they called it. And uh, it's so sad to see uh, a child— be uh, killed uh, in that fashion. And unfortunately, in the United States of America, there are eight children killed every day from gunfire. Some of them are homicides, some of them are accidents. There was a uh, horrible event just uh, here in Michigan over the weekend uh, in one of the suburbs of Detroit in which a guy, he didn't use a gun, but uh, I think his children were, quote, smothered. But it's this This sort of madness that we really have to to be aware of. Real quickly, um, I I wanted to make a quick uh, observation in the final minutes here about uh, the state of the state. Um, Our governor, our newly elected governor, Rick uh, Schneider, I guess he's going to be known as Governor Rick. Uh, there, there's something likable about this guy. He's not a professional, polished politician. It wasn't a great speech. It, it didn't compare to Granholm in any way, shape, or form. But I thought he got a passing grade, and um, I, I thought it was wise of him to uh, not utter the word abortion. I don't think I heard anything about that uh, in his state of the state. He's focused on the budget, and we'll see what happens. I unfortunately did not bring in my notes on the spin on... Uh, the PBS uh, Michigan government show that I think is called Off the Record with uh, Rick Skubik. So we'll talk more about that next week. But I wanted to note it's a very fascinating and almost a bit of a surprise that uh, in uh, Sunday's New York Times, where the, the theme of the year this year is not going to be so much um, the federal government's uh, cuts in spending, because I think those are going to turn out to be minimal, but it's going to be the state budgets around the, uh, around the United States. And they note, uh, by the way, that the, the, the states with bright spots are North Dakota, Alaska, Arkansas, and Wyoming- where uh, less than 2% of the nation's population live. And these apparently are the only states that uh, can, quote, balance their budgets in the 2012 fiscal year without slashing spending or raising revenue. This is from Bill Marsh, Sunday's New York Times. They have an interesting chart showing the other states. And much to my surprise, Michigan's uh, budget situation is in far better shape than the vast majority of the states wanted to read this just to appreciate really how effective Jennifer Granholm, is not, she's not gotten enough credit for this, uh, dealt with, for instance, prison spending. She uh, was one of the more aggressive governors in America cutting prison spending. And prison spending, factually speaking, and this gets back to the actual numbers, the truth, truth to power here, prison spending exceeds spending on higher education. It is approximately 20 to 25 percent of the total state budget. And Michigan's budget shortfall, projected to be about $1.8 billion, represents 8.6 percent of the fiscal budget. Now, you look at that number and you compare it to the other states in America, and you would be surprised to find out that only Hawaii, New Mexico, Massachusetts, Iowa, Montana, West Virginia, and Indiana, several of them are very, very small states, with very, very little spending. Um, in other words, um, Hawaii, ex- yeah, Michigan spends, uh, Michigan's budget shortfall is estimated to be $1.8 billion. Um, Hawaii's budget, uh, uh, estimated shortfall is is supposed to be 0. 0.41 billion or 410 million dollars. Those are different numbers, but uh, Michigan is a significantly bigger state. But you look at some of the states.